Welcome to the Boomer Woman's Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. Boomer. Some people don't like the term, but I think, like many other words, it's all in how you say it. My umbrella business is Boom with a Bang, and I think we should keep that in mind as much as possible. We Boomer women don't have a lot of role models as we traverse this chapter. So the goal of this podcast is to introduce you to guests who might incentivize, encourage, teach you to embrace your wisdom, our wisdom. With this incarnation of the Boomer Woman's Podcast, I'm interviewing people who have a message of interest for our demographic. If you want to hear about or learn about something specific, let me know and I'll find someone who understands us to talk about it. There's a contact page at boomwithabang.com. If you want to be a guest on podcast or know someone who would be a great guest, message me. Finally, this show is all about conversation. We women know its value, we know how to do it, and we must perpetuate the art form. So let's get started with today's show. Welcome to the Boomer Woman's Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. I've commented on several occasions about the unusual yet serendipitous ways I meet some of my guests. Today's guest is one of those guests. Sherry Lynn also has a podcast for mid-age women. Well, for anyone really, but her guests are women over 50. We decided to discuss some cross-promotion, not that either of us had any experience with it. We met last week and here we are this week, both interviewing each other as guests. Let me introduce her right away. I have several questions I want to ask her. Sherilyn Starkey, welcome to the Boomer Woman's Podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm, I can't wait to ask you a few questions here. Sherilyn, I'll get to your current passion project uh, shortly, but tell our listeners about you. Who are you anyways? And about your career. It sounds quite impressive. Well... Who am I? So I am a Canadian and uh, born in Ottawa, where I currently reside. However, I haven't lived most of my life here. I, I was I, I was here as a child and a young adult, but shortly after graduating college, I left. I uh, got I, I graduated college during the uh, the recession of ninety one. And so uh, you took whatever job was offered. <laughs> and so I ended up taking a job at a sales Chalk River facility up in uh, Chalk River. I lived in Pembroke and then uh, I got married and moved to England and uh, really kind of started my agency career there and uh, was there for seven years, then uh, went to Washington, D.C., because my husband's job was taking him there and uh, was there for five years where I was the CEO. I was run, running um, a PR agency there that specialized in uh, technology and kind of dot-com startup companies. And then I had a little bit of fun because the kids went off to college and we were leaving the States because it was time for us to go. And uh, so we decided to take a gap year, well, a gap two years where we were kind of, you know, no fixed abode and just kind of traveled the world for a couple of years and then landed back in uh, on the um, on the other side of the Atlantic. We were living in a little island called the Isle of Man, which is in the Irish Sea. It is they call themselves an international finance center. 
Other people call it a tax haven, but we don't, it, people in the Alamed don't like that word. Uh, we were there for uh, about five years and I owned and ran my own uh, PR agency there. It's called Strive PR. And then uh, for family reasons, I came back to the Ottawa area. Uh, that was uh, about 10 years ago. I was working at uh, uh, what at the time was Canada's biggest social media slash PR agency, digital PR agency. I uh, became the president of that that agency. And then I, uh, after five years or six years of that, I thought, you know what, I want to go out on my own. So I did. And I've been an independent contractor ever since, um, offering social media, digital marketing, and digital PR services to a range of clients. That's the career side of it. I am married, same guy for 30 years, uh, had a disastrous teenage marriage, which I was, uh, you know, not a happy occasion, but I was so lucky to come away from it with two wonderful daughters uh, who uh, live very close to me now. And we have, uh, you know, very close relationship and uh, a couple of grandchildren that live close by too. So yeah, quite a contented little place I'm in my life right now. That's amazing. I, I did have a, another little, I, I have notes. So everybody knows I come with notes and <laughs> I was actually going to ask like all this England, USA, like all this sort of stuff, but you've just summed that up. That's great. Now I saw somewhere, I don't know, maybe your website, a 20 year career and you've talked about digital media and that social media, that sort of thing. Did you learn your way up that ladder? Because like 20 years ago, I don't think digital stuff was that mainstream in the training department, was it? Yeah, so it wasn't. So I guess what really happened, so I've been in, I always say in my marketing that I have a 20 year plus career. I don't like to say like, be perfectly frank here amongst us, us ladies. I don't like to say a 30 year career because people think that you're too old and past it. And, and I'm not uh, like, I know a lot more about digital life than children and kids a quarter my age. Right. So uh, I always say 20 plus, but I have been focused entirely on digital um, uh, uh, since about 2006. And that actually coincided with when I landed in the Isle of Man, which is a very small island. I think it's 37 miles long. The joke is it's uh, 85,000 alcoholics clinging to a rock in the middle of the Irish Sea. And, you know, that's not far wrong, but it is an international banking center. And there's a big IT center there because of all the internet gaming on, on gambling and all that kind of stuff is centered there. And so they have a big IT section. section. But when I realized that I was going to be living on an island, you know, kind of figuratively as well as literally, I, you know, I was like, what, what the heck am I going to do on this little island? Like, what is there going to be there for me? And that was right when the whole thing of podcasts and blogs were coming to the fore. It was getting much easier to use the internet and, people in communications and PR were getting very curious about how we could use these new tools to, you know, in our practice. And since I was on an Island and I, I actually really did feel isolated from my peers. I really kind of leaned into this stuff and I formed connections, you know, through blogs all over the world, friends through Twitter that I have 
you know, to this day. And so I got to be what they call a thought leader because I spent a lot of time thinking about this stuff and right. I had a blog and I was writing about it. And then I was lucky enough that the, uh, the newspaper came to me and said, well, you do a weekly column. And so I started writing a weekly column and it was all about kind of, you know, internet stuff, but like for more like a user-friendly internet, how people use it in their lives, not, you know, how companies are using it in B2B and all that kind of stuff. So that really kept me on the forefront of stuff because I had, I had to write something new every week, right? <laughs> so uh, that's kind of how my career in digital started and it's kind of solidified and I, I've been in that space ever since. Two thoughts come to mind is first of all, at 37 miles long, Remind me never to complain about living on Vancouver Island again. (laughs) (laughs) And second of all, like the international part of this, do things vary very much or is it just like digital is digital? So, well, the, you know, the onset of the internet certainly flattened the earth when it came to marketing and communications, right? So like things, my first agency career uh, my first agency job, which was in 1994 in the UK, uh, we had computers, but they weren't networked. And uh, we kind of used them like typewriters. We didn't really use them like computers, you know. And uh, you, we sent out press releases by mail, sometimes a fax if it was urgent. <laughs> but, you know... Uh, you know, fast forward just five years later, and we were in the dot com bubble, and I was in Washington by that time, and you know things had drastically changed. Inter- the use of email in business was prolific by that time. I mean, this was a game changer in the way that uh, organizations communicated with each other, and uh, it really like lowered the cost and the ease of use was was so big. So, yes. The the internet changed everything. And I was in a kind of a position where I, you know, I'd worked in the States, I'd worked in Britain, I kind of knew both markets. So I was able to position myself as a, you know, if you're a British company and you want to get, you know, raise your profile in the States, I can help you do that. And if you're uh, an American company wants to raise your profile in Britain, I can help you do that. And so that's kind of where I was sitting at that point. Yeah. That's, that, that's interesting because, uh, you know, like having international acknowledgement of your skills, your talents. And I just want to say in terms of your education, and yes, I just used air quotes, I didn't even at age 55, I didn't even know how to buy a domain name. And now I am all over the internet because (laughs) self-taught and learned and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, yeah, you you go girl. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. Okay. Now tell us about your passion project. Ah, well, so I was like working my guts out, really. Um, You know, the whole world wanted to go digital when the pandemic happened. Like a lot of companies did social media, but they didn't really do social media. It's like they did their communications and they're like, oh, yeah, and then we'll have some intern or, you know, do social media and they can update the Facebook page, but they didn't really leverage the power that like the social part of social media. And they didn't really understand how to do that. So when, um, when the pandemic hit and everybody was like, uh, (laughs) 
you know, we need to figure this out fast or we're going to die. I, I got really, really busy. And so I just kind of put my head down and, and worked nonstop for about, I guess, two years straight, pretty much helping cuts, helping companies make the transition. Then I, when I was able to draw a breath, I thought, oh, I want to do something fun. Like I'm, I, I miss fun. And so I, and I miss connection with my peers and I missed, you know, I used to get a lot of social, social connection from going to an office and being at work and stuff. And and we don't have that anymore. So I was really feeling isolated. And so I thought, what could I do that would be fun and, you know, tick all these boxes for me. And I've been a podcaster on and off since 2005. And I've certainly very um, busy with podcasting on behalf of clients and stuff. And I thought, you know what, I want to do my own podcast. I want to do it for me. And I want to talk to people about stuff that I'm interested in (laughs) instead of, you know, stuff that clients are interested in. And so I just woke up one morning and said, that's it. I'm going to do it. And uh, the idea of 50 women over 50 came from uh, the woman that I interviewed in my first episode. Uh, She's a photographer here locally in the auto area, Anna Epp, and she had done a photography project of 50 women over 50 and she did portraiture. And I, you know, as soon as I saw that she was doing it, I was like, include me. I want, I want this. And so I was one of her subjects. And so I, I, it was kind of in the back of my head. It was like all these women, we, all their pictures on the wall, but I'd like to know the stories behind the, these faces. And so uh, I called Anna and said, do you mind if I kind of nick your idea and change it? And she was of course very supportive. And so off I went, I just announced it on LinkedIn that I was going to do this podcast and uh, I just published my 17th episode this week. So that puts me a third of the way through my, through my uh, ambition to hit, to hit 50, to interview 50 women. And so it's full steam ahead. Interesting that you talked about the photographer because I was going to ask you when you've finished your 50 women over 50. And I just want to say, if I actually go live one day, I am so honored to even be included. Uh, but I was going to ask if there was a book in your future, because you do see a lot of, I won't say the collaborations, but where, you know, different people are highlighted and especially, you know, with a photographer involved, even just partially. But uh, is there a book in your future? Yeah, I think there might be. I mean, <laughs> I don't have a, a deal, if that's what you mean. I haven't got a contract or anything, but I mean, that was actually part of my thinking when I came up with this, because you know, I'm getting to towards the end of my career and I'm looking back and thinking, you know, what is left to do that I have not yet done. And I've always wanted to write a book. And I mean, when I was in high school, I used to have fantasies that I'd be a famous novelist someday, you know? And so I've done a hell of a lot of writing in my life, like millions and millions of words, but I have never done anything like that. So that's kind of a bucket list thing for me. And then I thought, well, you know, what do I want to write about? And then I want to write about things that are interesting to me. And and I thought, well, if I'm going to do all these interviews, I might as well podcast them. And so I, like I said, I don't have a book deal and I don't know if I'm going to write a book, but I'm always, you know, what do they say? I always begin with the end in mind. <laughs> so I had kind of have it an idea at the end that there might be a book that comes out of these interviews. I could certainly see a lot of themes coming from between the interviews. I've done 17 of them now. And um, 
Yes. Although every woman's story is unique and every woman's perspective is their own. And uh, that's part of what I'm loving exploring about it. But there are some themes that are very strong across the interviews. And uh, I feel like that might be the basis of the book. Hmm. Now, I'm trying to put the pieces together here. You have this long, relatively long, I mean, you're, you're young, <laughs> career in digital media, and you chose podcasting as yes. a fellow podcaster. Have I done the right thing? Like podcasting's here to stay. I know, was it yesterday or the first time we met even you, you threw some numbers out there that were quite surprising in terms of the number of people who aren't starting new podcasts. Yes, yes. Well, you know, I've been a news junkie my whole life, right? So this is why I took a job in the media. And, you know, talk radio has always been my preferred radio format. I've always loved it. And so that's why podcasting for me. And um, I think the numbers that you're talking about is that there's, there's, let me see if I've got this right, 80% fewer New independent podcasts have started this year compared to the same month two years ago in 2020. So, but when you think about that in the context of life, I'm not actually that surprised because people have gone back to work. (laughs) True. (laughs) To a certain extent, like a lot of people were at home and had time on their hands and thought, well, you know, if I'm going to be home, let's do a podcast, that kind of thing. So I think that we saw a lot of independent podcasters try, try out something new at that time, but that's not the only picture. The other picture is the, uh, you know, the big uh, publishers are coming in to the market and, you know, we've got Spotify and Apple and, anchor and uh, uh, like there's probably 10 major podcast publishers out there that are you know they're, they're kind of running it like a little bit like network tv if you ask me that's just my personal um my personal take on it you know the the kind of like we're going to produce these shows we're going to publish these shows we're going to sell ads around these shows and that's going to be our business model and they have a lot of marketing power behind them. They got a lot of dollars and they've got a lot of clout. So independent podcasters like you and I, I feel like we're not getting as much oxygen as we might've done before all this money flooded into the, uh, into the market. Cause I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm not spending $10,000 a month on digital ads to make sure people hear, or, you know, know about my show or anything like that. And, you know, uh, it's hard to compete with Bill Maher and uh, uh, Joe, Ro- Reg- or Joe Rogan. Rogan. Yeah, Rogan and, and those guys. So, yeah. I, I, so I think it's kind of a confluence of things that are all happening at once. But I do agree that podcasting is here to stay and it's going to grow and it's going to continue to grow. I just think the trajectory of that growth is going to level off and the landscape's going to change a little bit. Okay, I'm just thinking we might as well terminate this podcast right now because, you know, you're a media person and I thought with the agency, I would interview you and you would bring me a million. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, how are you finding your women over 50? How do I find them? Well, yeah. there's kind of two things that that happen. One is they come to me in droves, right? I wh- This is one thing I wasn't prepared for and I, I, I'm very pleasantly surprised 
But like, I feel like there's a real thirst among women our age who just really want the connection and they want to, they have a story and they want to tell their story. And, and like, it's amazing how many people that have come forward with, you know, me next, please interview me or uh, my sister, you must talk to my sister. My mother is, you need to talk to my mom, that kind of stuff. So I'm finding a lot of people that way. And then, um, because I understand that I'm in my own little bubble and I don't want my interviews to be all people from my own little bubble. I want a very broad section of, of, of life really included in my interviews. And so I'm using some, some tools, some online tools for podcasters, which is where I met you, where you can, where podcasters can meet and connect with each other and uh, not just podcasters, but, you know, there's a lot of authors and stuff in these networks and stuff too, that the people that want to meet podcasters. And so I've had the good luck to, to um, connect with some very interesting people that I never would have been able to connect with through uh, these tools. So for example, um, I uh, recently interviewed Anne Bell, who is a sex therapist I, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't know a lot of sex therapists. <laughs> so I interviewed one last year and I may be interviewing Anne. She contacted, she reached out to me too. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I had some questions. I wanted to talk about middle-aged women and sex. And, and so that was a really, really interesting interview. And, uh, you know, the download numbers are really strong. People seem to really like it. I met um, Martina Clark who is a, in her late fifties, she's in the oldest cohort of people living with HIV. Uh, She's, she was given it, she was 28 when she was diagnosed and she was told then she would make it five years tops. And so uh, we talked about how getting this diagnosis so young in life and, and where life took her and then what she's doing now. And it was just such a fantastic story. You know, that's another example of uh, of someone that I've met through that uh, through a network, an online network. I, I was going to ask if you'd ever, well, not ever. I was going to ask if you had had some of those stories that, as you got deeper into the interview, it was like, holy moly, this is way bigger than I ever thought. Oh yeah. Uh, but I think I think you've just answered that question. Well, I have one coming out next week, which will be uh, the last week of January. I don't know when this show will go out, but my show will be out the last week of January. And it's with a woman named uh, Greta McLean. She was a police officer who at age 49 was raped and it changed her world. And she, you know, has changed her career. And she said that she was actually contemplating suicide and then when the whole me too movement came it, it kind of changed the paradigm from her for her that gave her a lot more hope and so she's you know I don't want to give the whole story away but she's changed <laughs> she's changed everything about her life and she's we talk about on the call the transition from victim to activist and you know like what you're saying I, I was like I am not a trained journalist here. So talking about these very personal, very important issues. I mean, I'm glad that I'm doing it. I'm certainly learning through it, but yeah, it gave me pause for thought about this is like, I have to be very delicate and careful about this interview. And uh, I think it's turned out pretty good and it'll be out next Tuesday. Wow. That's yeah. 
it's amazing. And, and kudos to this person for being willing to, to share that. You mentioned talk radio earlier and a week or so ago, I heard a younger woman talking about she'd had a number of difficulties in her life, probably with men by the sounds of it, because her comment was how she was hearing, Oh, me too like from other women as she tried to share her story. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the Me Too movement really took hold. And yeah. that's what gave her strength as well. Was Yeah, yeah. I could certainly tell, talking to Greta, that t- telling her story is an important part of her own recovery. Mm-hmm. But she takes great satisfaction at seeing the impact that she's having on other women who have been through similar um, similar situations and circumstances. So yeah, she's, fr- she's down in Tennessee. Like I would have never met her if I didn't have this podcast. So, you know, for that reason alone, I'm grateful to have decided to start a podcast. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about women over 50. Okay. <laughs> now these are some questions that you put up on your profile. So um, in your experience, do they fear turning 50? Like, or did they fear to turning 50? you know what? No. And I was kind of surprised by that because I certainly did. Like I was very worried about turning 50. The, you know, the work that I'm in, it's a young person's career and like, there's not too many old broads sitting around a PR agency. So (laughs) I was very, very worried that it would be, and it turns out I was like just being silly because turning 50 changed nothing about my career. In fact, my career's got better since I turned 50, but um, yeah, of the women I've spoke to so far, very, almost none of them have said that they feared it. Some of them were like, I was too busy to care. Others were like, "Um, I'm just glad that I'm still here because other people in my life aren't and I miss them. And then um, I guess we also have, you know, some talk about menopausal symptoms around the approaching 50. Like, I feel like a lot of women don't really, didn't really enjoy that aspect of it, but it seems to be that the negativity is really limited to that, that particular aspect. It's not an overall fear of going over the hill. (laughs) Well, and admit it, the only reason you interviewed me was because I told you the police had arrived at my 50th birthday party. (laughs) And we're going to leave that as a cliffhanger. (laughs) Oh, dear. Okay. What are they optimistic about these women over 50? Yeah. So, well, um, I won't say that it's across the board optimism. There have been some pessimists in the group, but it's mostly optimists. And uh, they are optimistic that a lot of optimism about the younger generation making changes and actually, you know, pushing the boomer generation that is stuck in their ways into more different ways of thinking, different ways of living. And so, uh, yes, there's a lot of optimism about that. With only one exception, none of the women I've interviewed so far want to retire they're very optimistic about their future career aspirations. Uh, several of them are just starting brand new careers 
as they go into what normally would be retirement years. They have no plans for that. Some of them are changing how they want to work, you know, maybe work less, maybe work from someplace warm remotely. Uh, there's that, uh, like a, of the 17 interviews, I've only had one woman say, that's it on this date. I'm finished work. And that is it. I'm not doing anything like that anymore. Work is over for me. So she's definitely in the minority on the more, you know, the ones that are a little bit more pessimistic, it's, they are like kind of worried about world politics and, and, you know, climate change and some of the like really, really big issues that humanity's trying to grapple with right now. And, you know, uh, debt problems and, you know, what kind of debt are we settling on the generations that are coming up after us and that, that kind of thing. But I would say that for the most part, uh, women from a personal perspective, they are optimistic for their old age and they're looking forward to continuing to learn and grow and contribute and to work and, you know, be present in their families' lives and all these things. I agree a hundred percent about young people. Oh my goodness. Like um, just a, a word about boomers because my, my audience is mostly boomers as am I yeah. is that, you know, I, I'm not going to play the blame game. I, I don't go there, but the community I want to create, we all know that we are not going to save the, the, the world. That ship has sailed, Yes, but there is still plenty of time to be role models for the young women coming up who yes. will be role models. And then the other thing, like with the, the planet and the environment, stuff like that is interesting conversation with my grandson, who's just a teenager. And, you know, he was sort of on one of his sort of more depressive days, perhaps saying, oh, grandma. And I said, you know, like, whatever has been learned, which has taken decades probably to learn some of the lessons or even some of the science that will improve things is that when he goes into university or go, starts his career is he doesn't have to it, it's there for him to learn like it's not like he has to figure it all out it's there and then his generation can take it that much further because they yes. don't have to learn that bit so yeah i'm excited about young people and and i love seeing the activism and the just the participation it's uh yes yes i know you know we we spoke briefly about the me too thing but i feel like that is a it wasn't exclusive a millennial and Gen Z movement, but it's certainly uh, the the wind caught its sails through those generations for sure. And, uh, you know, that's just an example of the kinds of conversations that we're having thanks to our younger generations that Gen X and boomers, like we, we never had those. Like we did the whole stiff upper lip thing and got on with life and didn't didn't call out people for their unacceptable behaviors in the workplace and things like that. Where these younger women were like, I am not having this. <laughs> I'm telling you right now that this is stopping. And so, you know, you go, girls. Unacceptable behavior in the workplace. You are so polite. <laughs> that's 20 years 20 years <laughs> oh dear i did see something um somewhere about you building a community of women over 50 talk about that 
Yeah. So that's the podcast is, is kind of that, but I, you know, I'm very active on social media and I've, uh, I, I've actually kind of re-engaged with social media from a personal perspective because, you know, for years, like it's all, when it becomes your work, it's less fun. And so I didn't really do it too much from a personal perspective, uh, for a, a while, like for a long while. Um, but I've reinvigorated with the new people that I'm meeting through the podcast on social media. And I really trying to build uh, a community of people online that are like-minded and interested and, you know, so that we can connect with each other and have friendships. And so that's, that's what that ambition is all about. And so I, I would say that the, uh, the podcast is the center pillar of it or the linchpin of it social media stuff is all around it. And and I might do other things. Like I've got some ideas about, you know, events and maybe live online events and in-person events and other fun things that we can do as the group of us is uh, growing. Yeah. Community is one of my goals too. Uh, has been for a few years, but there was this I don't know, global pandemic or something that sort of <laughs> messed things up. Um, can I ask you a few Personal questions? Yeah, sure. Go for it. My life is an open book. You might recognize them. Tell me about your 50th birthday. <laughs> okay. Well, my 50th birthday, jeepers. So as I previously referenced, I was not looking forward to turning 50. And I was, um, you know, rather trying to ignore it and just soldier on kind of thing. But my family wasn't letting me have it. And, and so... Um, for my birthday, just a second now, what happened? There was a, a surprise and a surprise. The first surprise was a family party at a local Chinese restaurant here. That's it's like legendary for its food. It's one of the must go to places in Ottawa. And uh, we all went there for a meal and the family knows I love it. So I was really, really pleased about that. And then they took me on this lovely boat tour down the Ottawa river. And it was my birthday's in late August. And it was a beautiful, like late summer, early, early, early autumn night. And the moon was the harvest moon. And, oh, it was just beautiful. And then we have the international fireworks um, competition here in Ottawa. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but basically countries come over and they put on fireworks displays every night for 10 days in August. And it's, it's almost like a beauty contest kind of thing. Who's ever most beautiful wins. It's not always China, by the way, but it often <laughs> is. But anyway, uh, so that was going on in the fire. Oh, it was fantastic. And I was like, this is the perfect birthday. My kids know me so well. Just keep it to family, make it about the experience. And I was so, so happy with it. Little did I know that whole thing was a deflection because the next night there was a big surprise party that I had, like, I thought I'd had my birthday party. Right. So I had no idea. And, uh, you know, by hook or by crook, they got me to go into this, this place that, and surprise and everybody was there from work and all the extended family. And, uh, we had a, a big, big party and, and it was fun. So I didn't get away with just ignoring it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and after the first five minutes of that su surprise, surprise party, uh, you enjoyed it, right? 
Oh yeah. It was always, it was really, really nice to see family and yeah, yeah, it was good. And I was genuinely surprised because I thought I'd already had my birthday party. My girls were quite clever in, in the way that they organized that. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's good. Um, just as an aside here, I wonder if all those countries go from light festival to light festival, because in August, there's also a similar thing uh, in Vancouver. Oh, yeah, probably. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. I've talked to more people about this. Yeah. Um, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Yeah, I can't see it. I can't. I wish I could. I have trouble seeing next week, though, to be honest. <laughs> I wish I knew that was an answer. I would have used it when you talked to me. <laughs> I don't know. I can't see it. I mean, I can't see myself not working. Like, I'm in good health. Like, you never say never, right? Because you don't know what the future holds. I'm in excellent health, and I can't see myself not working. I enjoy my work far too much. I'm, my life is pretty happy. I'm here in the Ottawa Valley. My kids are close by. My mom is close by, and my sisters are here. Uh, I have challenging work with, you know, cool clients and and uh I can't see myself just you know jacking it in to go and sit on a condo in Florida or something that seems unlikely I don't do I don't go I do actually miss travel like my husband and I used to travel extensively on vacation and it's the weirdest thing when my kids we're teenagers and, and at home, we couldn't wait <laughs> to get out and go traveling. And now I don't have that kind of responsibility. And I'm like, I, I don't want to go away, away on a long trip. I'll miss the kids and grandchildren too much. So <laughs> trying to find the happy medium here. But uh, yeah, so no, I don't, I don't know. Like, hopefully I'm still here. Hopefully I'm still in good health. And so hopefully I'm having fun and still contributing. As someone who's older than you with children and grandchildren, may I reassure you that your children are actually waiting for you and your husband to go somewhere exotic and buy a cottage so that they can have vacations for only the price of airfare. I was informed of this. Okay, okay. <laughs> ah, dear. I kind what? of already have that, you know. I, I We have an apartment on the Black Sea in Bulgaria. Oh, in a, a little holiday resort area there. But, you know, with everything that's going on in that part of the world, uh, nobody's begging me <laughs> to go. I think that large parts of the, the Black Sea are mined right now. So uh, uh, I don't have anybody dying to go there. So that apartment just sits empty. <laughs> well, rest assured, I've just filed that little bit of information, though. You and I will keep in touch. No, just <laughs> what are you most hopeful about for the future? Oh my goodness. What now I you know how your guests feel. <laughs> yeah, you're right. you're right. You're right. In fact, I had um, one of my past guests was over for lunch today and she said to me, when are you going to be the one that in being interviewed? <laughs> and I said, well, that might be interview 50 of the 50 women, but I, I feel like we've, uh, we've kind of preempted that here. Uh, what am I most hopeful about for the future? Well, I, oh my goodness, that's a tough question. I have a lot of worries, so I'm not entirely optimistic. You know, I, I do have a lot of worries about the future of humanity in this planet. But one thing that I am hopeful about, you know, is it Dr. Phil that says that the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And when you look at the path, like we've been on this planet for millennia and 
we have encountered tremendous challenges to the existence of humanity on this planet. And we always have the ingenuity to overcome. And, and I'm pretty, pretty sure that humans are going to continue to do all that. Personally, I am just hopeful that I will stay in good health and uh, continue to play a role in the lives of the people that I love. And um, that, uh, you know, my everyone around me stays healthy and, and, um, and uh, in good Nick, and uh, we all live happily ever after. There you go. Uh, if you wanted to be the 50th guest on your 50 women over 50, you should select a handful of your most either impressive or favorite interviews, allow them to choose one of your questions and then be in the hot seat with five, eight interviewers. How's that? Yeah, that could be fun. We could do like a live, like a Facebook live. Oh, yeah, there you like go. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. Which app can you not live without? Uh, well, you know, so many of them, but the one that I is like, actually, literally, I could not live without is one called KeePass. And so because of the business that I'm in, and because I'm so digital, I have, you know, personally, I probably have 500 passwords, maybe more. And then I'm at any one time, I'm working with 10, 12 different clients, and there's, they have all their passwords. And so if I ever lost my key pass, which is you only need to know one password to get all into all your other passwords. Like I think I would cease to exist for sure. <laughs> so that, that, but you know, of the ones that I love apps that I love that I spend the most time on, I really like my Fitbit. Okay. You know, I like my Fitbit and you know, this is an app that I've been using pretty consistently for about five years now. And, you know, most apps don't have that kind of longevity. They come and go, right? So I really like it. I uh, I mean, I don't listen. It bosses me around and I don't listen to everything it tells me to do. But I like having the track record of the, my activity and, and you know, my it tracks your, your heart rate and how you sleep and all that kind of stuff. So all that kind of health stuff. I don't track my food or anything like that on it. I mean, there's only so many hours in the day, right? So, but uh, yeah, I, I really, I really like my fit. I would miss that if I didn't have my Fitbit anymore. I would really miss it. You're not that person at the end of the day that runs up and down the driveway to make sure you've got enough steps in or something like that. <laughs> well, no, but I wish I was. Does that count? <laughs> Oh, dear. I'm glad you mentioned your password manager. I didn't even think of that. I take it so for granted, but I, I am equally appreciative of it. It's yeah. like, and it also just <laughs> PSA here is it also allows you to have really complex passwords because you yeah. don't have to remember them all. That's exactly it. Yes. Uh, the key pass actually generates them for you randomly. Yeah. So yeah. they're almost uncrackable. And so, and oftentimes, in fact, just this week, a new client comes on board and they're like, they, they email me their passwords is something that you're never supposed to do. And they're all like, their passwords are all iterations of their brand or something. You know, like, oh my God. That's job one. When I get a new client on board, I'm like, okay, we're going to start taking password privacy a lot more seriously now. 
Well, especially when you hear about some of the stuff that goes on out there and the, yeah, the hacking and all that stuff. So for sure. Yeah. Rika. Okay. Um, this actually sounds like a continuation of one of your questions, but it's one I ask all my guests. What message do you have for mid-age women that we haven't touched on? This is your moment. This is your moment. Your whole life has led up to this moment. And you are in a unique position as a middle-aged woman that no, you know, nobody else has this perspective to be this age at this time on this planet. And it is our moment. We are empowered. We are active. We are proud. We are participating in life in a way that generations before us, when women got to our age, it wasn't open to them to, to, to participate in ways. They weren't able to participate financially or economically the way that we have. They, they never had the work experience or the life experiences that we have. So this is your moment. Don't shy away from it. Seize it. Grab hold of it. I had to leave the pregnant pause there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mentioned the other day that I have my journal and I'm going to start putting quotes on every page that get have been pearls from my guests. And I think you just made the grade. Oh my goodness. That was very effective. Very impressive. Can I just say that it's the process of my podcast is bringing me to this realization. Like this whole process has been a learning experience for me and it continues to be so. But I understood now that I didn't know when I started in September that this is it. You know, this is my moment and, and this moment is never coming back and we need to seize it and, and, and enjoy it and own it. So let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I have two sort of wrap ups with you. Let's start with your business. Uh, What do you offer and where do listeners find you on the world wide web? So if you just Google my name, Sherry Lynn, I'm like, you're going to find me. I'm probably the first five, like Sherry Lynn's not that common a name. So I, I, I rank high on Google. I'm across like in every kind of social media. You can find me. It's all iterations of my names. It's Sherry Lynn, Sherry Lynn seven, Sherry Lynn seven, one, something like that. Um, so my business is I'm an independent contractor and what I do is the same thing that I've done my whole career just how I do it is differently. And my job is to help organizations build positive relationships with the people, the groups of people that they depend upon for success. So this could be customers, it could be employees, it could be stakeholders, it could be regulators. You know, every organization has different stakeholder groups that they depend upon for uh, success. And we do, how do I do it? Do it through effective communication. And uh, for me, that's almost 100%, but not exclusively, digital online communication. And so uh, that, that's kind of what I do. I'm a, I'm a, uh, I guess they, ch- they changed the name of it just recently. I'm a Meta Pro Partner, which means I'm certified in all things Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, all, you know, everything that Meta owns. Um, I also am extremely au fait with all the other social networks and Google. And so I have that kind of difference. And, uh, of course my core skill 
is, well, these days we say storytelling, but it really it used to be writing. Uh, the first, I spent the first five years of my career writing. I used to write 60 hours a week. All I did was write, 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 write. I got very, very good at telling stories. <laughs> now we tell them in different ways using different formats, but it's the core skill is being able to tell a story and communicate what you're trying to communicate in a way that people can learn it, hear it, understand it and act upon it. Okay. Wow. Um, and your podcast. Uh, I love your concept. Where do listeners find it? And well, where do they find it when they aren't listening to mine? <laughs> it's called 50 women over 50. And you can get it on any of the popular Facebook, I'm sorry, the popular podcast apps that you are, that you use. So, uh, you know, Apple, Spotify, Audible, even, even poor little Google's podcast app. It's uh, uh, beleaguered at best, but uh, yeah, we're, uh, it's everywhere. So, and uh, I also have, I also publish it on YouTube. For those of you that prefer to listen to your podcasts through YouTube, I have a YouTube channel called 50 Women Over 50. It's just an audio podcast, but I, I publish the audio there. And may we assume you're on social media? <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good <laughs> assumption. Just like I say, just Google my name and you'll find all my socials. Great. Okay. Website links I always put into the show notes. Um, I also actually put all the links um, under your bio on the podcast webpage. So, oh, thank you. Yeah. Listeners, if you have thoughts on today's show, please talk to us. Leave comments where you're listening, or if you're listening at the Boomer Woman's podcast at boomwithabang.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and talk to us there. Leave stars and reviews where you can. They help us grow. And for early access of upcoming episodes, there's a sign up under this conversation at Boom with a Bang. Share this episode with other mid-age women. Sherilyn's guests are varied and they are interesting. The more we understand about other women, the better prepared we are for our own lives, in my opinion. Sherilyn Starkey, thank you so much for being my guest today and telling us about your great project. Um, and I still don't think you're going to want to stop after 50 women. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. It's an excellent conversation. Have a great rest of the week. Bye.